Blog Talk Radio. Hey there. Dr. Ross Green here coming to you live from the Offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine with another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Delighted to be with you again today. We missed last week because of the holiday here in the United States, but we are back today and glad of it. We've got lots of email to catch up on and already to... Um, Parents, I assume, standing by on the phone. Um, before we get going with that, I want to um, thank the folks at GEAR here in Maine, G-E-A-R. Um, that stands for Gaining Empowerment Allows Results for Sponsoring Along with Lives in the Balance. Um, yet another free workshop for parents um, here in Portland this past Saturday. Um, I'm hoping the folks who attended uh, got a lot out of it. That's the main point. I want to thank our board member uh, of Lives in the Balance, Susie Porton, for coming in from New York for um, the presentation. And, of course, Associate Director Sheila Nee was there as well. And um, don't worry, we've got more planned, and they won't all be in Maine. But we have a very nice association going with gear, and we hope... It continues. So I have a bunch of email lined up today. No specific agenda for today's program. But as you know, callers always take priority on this program. We have somebody who's already been standing by for almost 15 minutes. So let's go to our two callers. The call-in number, if you want to call in, today's a good day for it, 347-994-2981. As always, if you want to get tweeted To be reminded that the program is about to go on the air, go on to the radio programs page of the Lives in the Balance website and sign up for the Twitter feed. It's pretty much the only thing we tweet about, so we're not going to harass you with a bunch of tweets about um, what we're doing at 3.05 p.m., Um, but we do want to let you know when the radio program's on again, and that's what we tweet about. In the meantime, let's go to area code 614. Um, You're on the air. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? I am doing well. Before you start talking, let me remind you, the only thing people know about you is your area code. (laughs) Let's let's keep it that way. No names, no identifying information. We want to keep it confidential. Tell us what's on your mind, though. Well, I have a couple of questions. I'd actually sent you an email, so I might, I might be in your pile of emails there. But uh, my wife and I are um, having some issues with our, with our three-and-a-half-year-old son. And so one of our, our first questions was, I mean, we've, we read the third edition of your book, and we were really interested, and we thought there was a lot in there that was describing our situation. But part of our, part of our we've been having some difficulties, and Part of it is we, we're just wondering, and, and this is honestly mostly my problem, is I just wonder if he's too young to really kind of grasp a lot of the stuff and have real productive conversations to really do some of the preemptive problem solving that you talk about. Got it. 
great question, and one that I get fairly often from parents of kids oh five and under. This is sort mm-hmm. of the um, that's the age group, and I guess you know um, there's a few points I can make about that. I think it depends a little bit on what your expectations are for the conversation, but let me um, let me lower the expectations just a little bit because um, I often say that you can do this with an infant, but of course, okay. an infant is not going to be engaged in the linguistic give and take that goes on in a lot of the video examples, if you've seen any, of what Plan B is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Now, the reality is most three-and-a-half-year-olds, most, not all, can engage in some of the linguistic give and take that goes on in Plan B. But we're basically looking for a few things. And it, once again, um, in a very verbal eight-year-old, if that's our reference point, then there's some chance it won't look like that with a three-and-a-half-year-old, unless the three-and-a-half-year-old is very verbal. There are three-and-a-half-year-olds who are very verbal, and it would look like it would with a very verbal eight-year-old. So um, that's one point. But here's the, here are the th- key things that we're looking for here. We're looking to see if the child can provide us with any information at all about um, his concern, his perspective, what's getting in the way on the unsolved problem you're trying to talk with him about, preferably proactively. If we try to do this emergently, we add heat and rush to the mix, and the most verbal of kids may not be able to participate because of the added heat and rush. So the first checkpoint we'd want, by the way, is not age, but rather timing. Um, are you doing this proactively? Second well, checkpoint. Go, go ahead. ahead. Yep. Well, I, I so go ahead, Chloe, go ahead. That, that's, that's where we're ha- kind of hitting roadblocks is, like, we know that if he's hungry or we know that there's certain things that will make it more, make it more likely that we're going to get this, you know, difficult scenario come up. But, you know, other than just, like, just being, like, it's been two hours, here's some cookies, or it's two hours, here's some apples, you know, it's like there's no there's – no, there's no, there's really no preamble or there's no, there's no hint no of what's happening until, right. And then we, once we're in it, we know, okay, let's, you know, let's try to get some food going and then that'll help us get out of the situation. But again, you know, we, we could be out someplace in public or in a, in a scenario where we can't do that. And I mean, again, I feel like, I feel like we kind of know what to do and we kind of know, you know, even he's kind of getting used to the process to some extent of the conversation about how are we going to handle the situation now? But there's, there's, I feel like there's zero preemptive going on. It's always once we're in it that we're dealing with it. Right. I mean, Got it. And, okay. I, I, and, and part of my hesitation is, is I just don't know if he even, like, remembers the last time this happened or if he really has any, like, does he even know what hungry means? You know what I mean? It's like I just don't have any concept for that because, obviously, I'm not three and a half years old. So. I got it. So here's the interesting thing. Um, I hear what you just said from lots of folks who have kids who are your child's age as well as kids who are much older. Mm -hmm. And so let me paraphrase what you're saying. There doesn't seem to be any predictability to the unsolved problems. What you know at the moment is that there is one, well, you probably know more than this, but the example you gave (laughs) is that if he's hungry, 
um, and that's unpredictable, um, then that could set the stage for a challenging episode. Right. The, our goal is to, and, and truth is, uh, you'd know better than me what percentage of challenging episodes you believe are being accounted for by hunger. Mm-hmm. But here's what I'd like you to take another look at. And by the way, as I always say on the program, I've not met your son nor you. We're not, I'm not <laughs> doing a comprehensive evaluation here. Right. Um, I'm only telling you how the model would be applied with all of those other caveats coming into play. But right. one of the things I do with lots of parents is I help them make, do what I call making the un, seemingly unpredictable predictable. I'm going to okay. lay money down. There's some predictability to the challenging episodes unrelated to hunger. That's what I'm going to bet. And what I'm always encouraging people to do is take a closer look at the times when it's happening and keep a log. Keep well, a log and, for and, a week. Go ahead. And You've done I it. Mean, I, guess, I guess, I mean, I, we understand that. I mean, and, and I, I probably should have prefaced my statement with this. I mean, we're seeing a lot of the executive skills. That's where a lot of the failures are coming from is, you know, transitions and, you know, the, uh, you know, he just creates expectations for certain situations and then they don't come around and then all of a sudden now we're in a, you know, and those are certainly in play here. I just think he's a lot more able to deal with those when he's not. It's like, does that make any sense? Like, it I think does. he's able to, I mean, we, we know, we know what's, you know, thank, thank, you know, thank you for this, but we, we realize now kind of what's, where the breakdown is happening and where the, you know, what skills he doesn't have that are causing the explosion or, or, you know, near explosion to happen. But I feel like yep. just, those skills are just a lot more exercised and a lot more effective when he's had food in his stomach. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, yeah. and, and here's my question. Being though. able to, yeah. Well, the you're talking about lagging skills, which is very good to know about your son. Mm-hmm. What I'm, what I would well, like. To I don't see even know if they're lagging is, when he's three and a half, but but we're seeing it. Yeah. Well, you're seeing that there are certain skills that, w- whether we would expect them to be developed yet or not, they seem to be getting in the way for him. Right. Right. That's fair. The, and the thing is, um, we don't want to tw- attribute all of that to hunger, and here's why. What you're telling me is that you, um, when he's not hungry, he's better able to deal with the unsolved problems. But here's the deal. Um, we, we still don't want to be solving those problems when they come up in the heat of the moment. Right. Because, because then the hunger will loom even larger. What we'd like to do is not rely on either heat of the moment or him having food in his belly so that he can solve problems in the heat of the moment. That's not, what, that's not the way we want to play this. We want to identify the specific conditions that heighten the likelihood, don't guarantee, but heighten the likelihood mm-hmm. of a challenging episode. And we want to come up with solutions to those problems that will presumably hold up whether he's hungry or not. 
because what I'm getting a little bit of a sense of, I don't know if you've said this exactly, but tell me if I'm right. When he's hungry, he's better able to solve problems collaboratively in the heat of the when, – when, when he's not hungry, he's better able to solve problems in the heat of the moment than when he is hungry. Yeah, that's we, right. We, we don't want to play it that way. We want to solve those problems proactively because presumably um, if he's having trouble making the transition from – I'm just going to throw one out there – um, watching TV to coming in for dinner, and you haven't said mm-hmm. that, but that's one transition that he could be having trouble making, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we want a solution in place that we've arrived at through a proactive discussion so that when it's time to come in from watching TV to dinner, we're not doing yet another emergency plan B and hoping that he's not hungry, We've got a solution in place that we've arrived at proactively that we hope will work for him and us, whether he's hungry or not. And, of course, nothing would be better for somebody who's hungry than coming in for dinner. But the thing you don't (laughs) want to set the stage for is you don't want to rely on emergency plan B, and you don't want to rely on him not being hungry for emergency plan B to fly. What you want to rely on 99.9% of the time is proactive plan B. That makes sense. Yeah, and as a three and a half year old, he's. I mean, there's. And again, yeah, we we've been honestly not as proactive as we should be, even in our attempts to to do Plan B, because at least, in, yeah, we feel like, you know, we're and sometimes we're like talking to a brick wall, or you know, we're just like it's like we're 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 doing all the work ourselves, and he's not really participating, and he's not really part of the process. And I, you know, and and again, I I just don't know if it's you know his where he is language wise or where he is developmentally for his you know, critical thinking skills, but I just don't feel like we're ever really able to proactively plan B with him. Got it. And, and that so is we're, a we're just question. like, we're trying to juggle between A and C pretty much all the time. And whether A and C work is really, we find dependent on like how tired he is or how hungry he is and all these uh, other things are just really bouncing us back between A and C. Got it. So in the heat, well, here's the bad news. While you know you want to be doing plan B, still primarily doing A and C, and the A and C is being done primarily in the heat of the moment. So now we need to move on to a separate question, which may actually Mm -hmm. be, so now we've established you don't want to be intervening in the heat of the moment if you don't have to. That's number one. Right. Right? Right. But now, now you've given us some information that tells you perhaps why you've been intervening in the heat of the moment, and that is that your efforts to do plan B proactively with him uh, aren't getting very far. Right. And we believe that that may be due to his age, language processing, and communication skills. Let me ask you this. And I, I of course, um, cannot um, <laughs> give you my feel over the phone on a child I've right. never met on what's going on with him language processing-wise, but... Let right. me just let's get a feel for this. Uh, if you weren't trying to do Plan B with him, would you be thinking that your child had um, language processing and communication skill difficulties? No, I don't think so. I mean, b- based on my experiences with him and the experiences with other three and a half year olds, I feel like he's right where, if not ahead of other kids in terms of being able to talk and you know, again, doing. But it's you know, it's three year old things. You know, like. 
you know, doing simple three-year-old things. Like we're not talking about, you know, anything, you know, you know what I mean? It's like there's a level of understanding. I feel like he's where he needs to be. So. All right. And you feel pretty confident about that relative to other kids as well who you sometimes hang out with? Because, of course, number one, if you want to be totally on the safe side, you get him checked out by a speech and language therapist to find out. Mm-hmm. Does he? But, okay. And, 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 you know, the, the disadvantage I have here is if a parent is sitting in my office and they're saying we think his speech and language skills are fine, we think he's actually kind of ahead, then I get to hang out with the kid a little bit and see if I think that they're right about that. So that's the disadvantage here. We can't do that. Right. Um, but so if you have any questions about that, you can always get him checked out by somebody who's qualified to check that out. But let's suppose, let's suppose you're right. His language processing and communication skills are just fine for where a three-and-a-half-year-old should be. If that's true, then I'm going to say he has sufficient language processing and communication skills to be engaged in a conversation with you aimed at trying to work on three things. What's hard about the unsolved problem you're working with him on? And we do have to get to the level of specific unsolved problems. It can't be... uh, uh, Hungry could be an unsolved problem, but we'd like to get even more specific than that because now we're learning that... I think what I hear you saying is if he's hungry, you've got to do plan C. If he's not hungry, you've got to do plan A in the heat of the moment. But now we're shifting that around completely. We want you to be doing proactive plan B so that the solutions you come up with for solving problems don't hinge on whether he's hungry or not. But plan B has been hard to do for you because we're not getting much out of him when we're doing plan B. So now I'm just recapping. I'm saying without really much information here, so I'm kind of out on a limb, but I'm saying (laughs) let's presuppose that he has the language processing skills to that a, that a, we would expect of a three and a half year old. Now we're looking for him to do three things. Number one, can he give us any information whatsoever about the unsolved problem we're talking with him about proactively? And let's say it's difficulty coming in for dinner when he's watching TV. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Um, a typically developing three and a half year old can provide some information. Can he, as the next step, understand what's hard for us about that? The dinner gets cold if you don't come in. We'd like you to be with us because we like hanging out with you at dinner. Um, Whatever your concerns are, the typically developing three-and-a-half-year-old can understand your concern or perspective as well. Okay. Step number three, can he be engaged at a very rudimentary level early on and then in an increasingly sophisticated level as he gets practice at this and as he gets a little older, can he be engaged in in a fun way in coming up with solutions that address the concerns of both parties? Here's what I'd ask you to do. Get those unsolved problems down to a very specific level Because even a completely typically developing 17-year-old, if we ask him about an unsolved problem that is vague, clumped, about a behavior, has an adult theory thrown in, a typically developing 17-year-old is going to look at us and say, I don't know, or nothing at all. 
So what I'd like to do before we, um, and it's always fine to wonder if a kid has the language processing and communication skills to participate, but believe it or not, I'm often looking at whether adults are doing Plan B proactively and whether they are wording specific unsolved problems in a way that the child can understand because believe it or not, I would say 70 to 80% of the time, whether we're doing it proactively or not and how we word our unsolved problems, 70 to 80% of the time, that's where the action's at, even with a three-and-a-half-year-old. Okay. Right, well, that's, that's very encouraging. I mean, more than likely you're right, is we're just not doing a very good job of presenting information and, you know, trying to get information back. And, it, and I would say join the club on that. that that's that's difficult. <laughs> well, the right, wording of the unsolved problem is crucial. Is that it's not easy. And there's a lot of things that we have to do in our lives that when we first start, it's not easy and you get better as you do it. And this is just one of those things that we're going to have to kind of spend some time and good practicing. News. And good news is I'm here to help you. We've got an open program next week again. Okay. I'm glad you called in because I doubt that whatever answer you would have gotten by email would have been sufficient. <laughs> Try to do proactive plan B with him this week Okay. on a very specific unsolved problem. Do it proactively. Call in next week and tell us how it went. Okay. Thanks for calling. Thank you. You bet. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, all right. I hope that was helpful. Sometimes it takes a while to... Um, get a precise feel for what's actually going on, but that dad gave us the information we needed. You really do want to be solving problems proactively, not in the heat of the moment, no matter what the age of the child. And once again, if you asked me what percentage of the time, how the unsolved problem is worded, and whether the problem solving is going on in the heat of the moment or proactively, those account, in my estimation, 70 to 80% of the time for times when kids don't participate in the empathy step of Plan B. Could there be language processing and communication skills issues getting in the way? No question about it. A bunch of things that could be getting in the way. No doubt about it. Um, and this is the, of course, disadvantage of doing this by radio. I still try to provide useful information uh, to people, for kids who I haven't met and probably never will. But um, if people are concerned about whether a formal evaluation is needed to take them beyond my mere advice on how to apply the model during this program, well, you've got to seek out somebody who can give you additional information on your child and meet your child personally. Let's go to area code. We may not get to any email today. That's okay. Area code 605. You are now on the air. How are you today? Hi. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I got through to you. I'm actually another one of your emails, so, <laughs> so you are okay, getting the email, be... believe it or not. <laughs> no worries. And, and truth is, it's, it is, you know, I love getting the emails, and I try to answer them by phone. But as you probably noticed on the last caller, um, I often can't get enough out of the email to answer with the precision that I just did. 
So right. let, me, let, me, let me just remind you again, we know that you're from area code 605. We don't know anything else about you, so let's keep all the identifying information separate. Tell us what's on your mind. Okay. Well, first I want to say that last caller kind of hit it, the nail on the head for us, too, with Plan B, like we've been struggling with my five-year-old um, with Plan B. So we definitely need to work on that. I know that. Um, right at this time, it seems like everything's urgent. So it seems like it's even more difficult to do Plan B because of my anxiety um, and because probably, I'm sure that shows, but also because of whatever issues he has going on, you know, to talk. So we really are having a hard time doing Plan B. But basically what I am calling is because we sort of have to move on from, um, like, with other things anyway to try to solve some of the problems. At least, I don't know, like, um, how you say, um, but... (laughs) to try to make some of this better because he's going to school now. He's in preschool. It's a private preschool. And um, I don't know. I think he's on the verge of maybe being dismissed from the school. And that would not be good. No. And so we're having another meeting, parent-teacher meeting coming up, and to talk about what we talked about last time. And in the in the meantime, before the last, you know, or in between the last um, parent-teacher meeting, I tried to, um, you know, I've been reading Lost at School. And I, I tried to get a little bit of that information out to the teacher. I haven't mm-hmm. had a response, but I'm hoping. I actually even slipped the book in today in my son's backpack with the teacher's name on it. So I'm hoping that she gets tempted Good to read you. it. <laughs> so, but anyway... You know, I haven't heard any word. I don't know. She could be, you know, contemplating, you know, looking into it. But, you know, I sent her some of your videos from YouTube, um, an interview, like basically things, you know, plan B and also like an interview where you kind of cover the whole process, like everything, you know. Um, Well, you know, like, of course, in a short interview, but I mean as much as possible. So, so, you know, and I told her that's what we're going to be trying to do at working on at home. And also, from reading Lost at School, I have to prepare for the possibility that he does get let go or, you know, the, the actually the city, the school district is going to go into the school and evaluate him. And that's been held up a little bit by, you know, silly paperwork or whatever. So I had to call him today and try to nudge that along. They were waiting for some information from a um, psychologist that he had saw and, you know, they haven't sent the um, information yet. I I begged them basically to just please go in the school because he might not be in there next week, and we need him in that atmosphere for him to be able to show what's going on. Um, he he got evaluated in the school district um, like six months ago or so, maybe a little more. And when he was in there, um, you know, he's above average um, with all the school subjects. Like, you know, he's he can read and write. He just turned five. He missed the cutoff for um, kindergarten, but he can read and write. All you know, above average. You know, for all the um, things they might test him on, um, and except for like what I've noticed, you know, reading your book, of course, have you know brought things to light. Like socially, I believe that's where his problems lie, 
and um, and I, you know, I, I ended up contacting the school again, and thankfully they decided that they can go in and evaluate him in the setting that's, you know, best because that's where he's having a lot of behavior issues. We've been able to, like, kind of calm things down at home. Even though we haven't really productively worked through Plan B at home, mm-hmm. I've been able mm-hmm. to manipulate the environment enough and, you know, we do sensory therapy and stuff with him. I've been able to do that enough and calm my own self. So I think that we have maybe solved some of the issues at home anyway, you know, because you know, the demands, you know, the demands on the environment that you talk about. I think we've been you've able just, to... You've removed some of them, so things are calmer. We've removed some of the demands, right. And so it's getting easier at, um, at home, right. So, but school now... You know, um, he he's having some behavior issues that I, I can go through. I have the unsolved problems, the major unsolved problems, and the lagging skills worked out on one of your worksheets, your Plan B um, worksheet. And um, tell tell us the I, major I, ones because because okay. here's the, the deal. The major ones I have four. Be, before you go know. on, though, let me okay. let me sermonize briefly. Okay. Um, it is very scary to think that your child might be asked to leave school. Right. Scary no matter what the age. Getting asked to leave school is a symptom of the fact that we're not yet quite homed in on what's getting in his way and the specific situations in which that's happening. And that's Mm -hmm. why he's still exhibiting challenging behavior in those situations, because the problems aren't yet solved. I'm very glad that people are going to come in and do an evaluation on him. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that the school will be patient enough to allow for that evaluation to take place, but patience you, you, you've got this squared away at home as best you can right now, but right. mostly through use of Plan C. You've, you've removed expectations, right. you've made accommodations, and you've right. lowered the flame at home. Right. At school, either, it's either because the demands are different or because uh, it is harder for people at school to pl- do Plan C, uh, mm-hmm. think the, the, the heat is still up. Right. Until they get a good handle on his lagging skills and are seeing him through the right lenses. And until they get a handle, and the fact that you're slipping the uh, lost at school into his book bag says to me that they, at the moment at least, are not viewing his difficulty through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems. No, at this point he's... Right, sorry. Go ahead. You've just kind of given us the recipe for things going badly at school. Um, right. They don't have the right lenses on yet, apparently, lagging right. skills. They right. haven't identified the unsolved problems yet, and therefore right. it's not exactly clear what lenses they have on and what they're working on with them. Um, give, us a, right. give us the top three um, okay. unsolved problems and the lagging skills that you feel are associated with them just so that okay. me and our listeners, I and our listeners, can get a feel for what you got here. 
Okay. Um, he has behaviors in the hallway, like running away. Um, when I know, we don't want to hear about his behaviors. Okay. We want to hear about the unsolved oh, okay. problems that oh, are setting those okay. behaviors in motion. He so has the, difficulty the hallway, walking. He has um, no that actually difficulty is lagging skills. Um, he runs well, away. Unsolved problems start with the word difficulty too. Difficulty what? Oh, okay. He has difficulty with transitions, getting Name from one few. place to another. Um, Name a few. During cleanup time, he he won't engage in cleanup, and and then he lashes out. He has aggressive Got behavior. It. We don't want the, the behavior. The behavior simply tells us that he's having difficulty participating okay. in cleanup time. That's an unsolved right. problem. Tell us another. Right. He's, Okay, he's having difficulty um, walking from one place to another um, in the building. Like from where to where? And like from where to where? From a, even from the classroom to the bathroom, which is a short distance, um, he'll Great. run away. Difficulty walking from the classroom to the bathroom is an unsolved problem. And by the way, the fact yes. that he's running away helps us, lets us know that he's having difficulty moving from the classroom to the bathroom. The fact that he's yeah. lashing out tells us that he's having difficulty participating in cleanup time. But running away and lashing out are not the unsolved problems. They are simply the okay. behaviors that occur in response to the unsolved problems. So, as I always say, one of the biggest favors you and the, I'm sure, very well-intentioned people at the preschool could do for your mm-hmm. son... Right is figure out what his unsolved problems are. Otherwise, we're working on lashing out, and we're not working on difficulty participating in cleanup. Right. And you can't work on diff- – you can't work on – you don't solve the problem lashing of lashing out, out right. but you do solve right. the problem of difficulty participating in cleanup. Right. Does that make sense? Right, yes. So, okay, he has – oh, sorry. We'll take one more. <laughs> I was just going to say he has difficulty um, engaging with others. During what? Um, during, it seems like um, during playtime with his classmates, um, during transition time with his um, teachers. So he has difficulty engaging with his classmates during playtime. Yes. That's an unsolved problem. Now, some of our listeners are thinking of diagnoses that could apply to kids who have difficulty engaging with others during playtime, but I'm not thinking of diagnoses in a big way yet because um, I am glad that they're doing an evaluation, and that Mm -hmm. simple, that, that one unsolved problem doesn't tell me anything except that he's having difficulty engaging with others during playtime. But mm-hmm. this is the level of analysis that it would be very helpful to get the folks at school and you to so that we are crystal clear on the unsolved problems. We want to, yeah. I, I understand, as I understand with every kid who I work with, there are behaviors that go along with those unsolved problems. If there weren't behaviors yeah. that went along with the unsolved problems, people wouldn't be that worried about them, right? <laughs> yeah. But the behaviors are not the unsolved problem. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's the behaviors that they don't like at preschool, and I don't know any preschools that like those kinds of behaviors, lashing out, running away. Those aren't 
high on the popularity list for preschool teachers, so I get that. But here's what else I get. If we don't get to the level of analysis of lagging skills and unsolved problems, and you mentioned a lot of the lagging skills were in the social realm. So once again, I'm very glad that they are doing an evaluation so that we can get Mm -hmm. a decent sense of just how severe the social difficulties are, something I can't do on a program like this and without meeting him. But you've got some of the pieces in place for helping people move to a much clearer understanding of what's getting in your son's way, lagging skills, and the specific conditions in which it's occurring, unsolved problems. I think we won't know if your son can make it in that preschool until that's the level of analysis we're operating at, and we start trying to solve some of those specific problems with him. Yeah. I'm glad that you are tuned into the program. I'm glad that you have found out about the model. Your biggest challenge, given that you're slipping a copy of Lost at School into his book bag, is Mm -hmm. can you bring them around? Yeah. And now here's the um, deal. Okay. Go ahead, because we have one more call I want to get to before just gonna, the program ends. Okay, okay. Go ahead. I was just going to say that, um, like, right now, it seems like the way they're handling it, um, like like you said, I think they have the best intentions, but I also believe that, yeah, like like you said also, that they are not looking through the right lenses, and I wasn't really either, and I'm trying to now, you know, more and more, you know, but... Um, but right now it seems like he's sort of secluded. He's put off in the corner. Not good. Not good. Clean up time. They put him, you know, they put him, they let him just do his own thing. He doesn't clean up. And then, you know, they had a letter written for me because I requested a letter in case I had to go to his doctor and get one of the dreaded diagnoses because, you know, at that at a certain point I was very desperate. Um And from that letter, after, you know, reading it, I more – He's more secluded than I than I thought. He's he's actually not only is he not in cleanup, he's actually um, removed either removes himself or sometimes removed from playtime with others, and he also has snack alone. Okay, and so th- none of this is none of this is wonderful. No. And here's here's the last thing I'll say. Yeah. If you can't help them come around, if they continue to do things that are counterproductive, no matter, even if they have the best of intentions. Mm -hmm. If you can't help them make this a good place for your son, you don't want him there anyways. Right, right. I understand that. So how can I teach him these skills if, say, I get rejected by the school again, saying we can't see anything, or, um, or if, you know, or by the school district, I should say, if they don't, you know, see these things um, or don't make it to the school before, you know, he leaves, um, or if the school isn't able to see through the right lenses and help them with these social issues, like, do you have any resources that you think you can point me in the right direction? Um, um, well, not in an is, area where where I can, you know, yeah, get... Lots of stuff. The, yeah, okay. Right. Um, there, you know... Hard to say because people who espouse this model and do it well, 
There's a bunch of yeah. them listed on the CPS Connection website, but I don't think mm-hmm. that there are any in your area. I looked up your area code, so I right. know where you Thank are. You. I don't think that there are any in your area, but you can always go to the CPS right. Connection website in the provider section and see if there are any there. Yeah, there's four and a but half hours away, I think, is the closest. Not that I would that, rule that, that out, but... Worth, that might be worth traveling for once. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just to make sure that you get somebody who um, is provider of this model to lay eyes on him before he gets into the next preschool. But let's let's right. keep our fingers crossed here. Yeah. Let's keep our fingers crossed that okay. the evaluation being done by the school system will yield helpful information. You are always welcome to call into the program. My ability to help you out as well as I might like, is, of course, constrained by the fact that you're where you are and I'm where I am, yeah. and we are not very mm-hmm. close to each other. Right. Um, but let's see if we can help you out. But I'll, I'll repeat what I said. If yeah. um, you can't, two things. If we can't help this current preschool treat your ch- son the right way, then you don't yeah. want him there. And number two... Okay. Uh, if the school system's evaluation doesn't provide people with the information they need to be able to help your son well, you're going to yeah. have to find another place to get him seen so that you can get him the help you need. And I hate to say this, but this is the fate of parents of behaviorally challenging kids. It is yeah. this. This is why there are so many free resources on the Lives in the Balance website. I come across mm-hmm. parents all the time, right. who had to scratch and claw for the right information about their child and had to scratch right. and claw to make sure that that information got in front of the people who were working with their child. And that is your fate. Your son is young. I'm glad you've got the energy because you may need quite a bit of it moving forward. Yeah. I'm very glad you called into the program, and I'll help you as much as I can from a distance. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks for Keep us posted. helping. Okay, Call in anytime. thanks. Okay, Bye-bye. great. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, now here's the deal. There are only uh 2 minutes left in the program. And while I would love to take um one of our other two calls, I guarantee you that 2 minutes won't be enough time to accomplish much of anything. So I'm going to ask our other two callers um to call in on the program next week. Um, And I think we're going to call it a day for the program today. But you just heard, boy, um, I hope you're not feeling like those took too long. I'm not. Um, Figuring out what's going on and figuring out what to do next often can't be accomplished in a soundbite. And... um, uh, Often I find that it is our desire to make things happen quickly that causes us to shoot ourselves in the foot most often. Now, I personally think we made some decent headway, given the constraints of a program like this, on understanding what was going on in both situations and having there be some recommendations for what that dad and that mom could do next. The difficulties of behaviorally challenging kids do tend to be somewhat complex, and they are made 
that much more complex by the fact that um, there are still way too many caregivers out there who are not viewing the difficulties of these kids through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems. There's a whole website devoted to changing all of that, and you know what it is, livesinthebalance.org. And there's a whole conference coming up on November 8th here in Portland, Maine. You'll find information on that on the Lives in the Balance website as well because we've got to do something about this. Um, we can't watch kids continue to be secluded and excluded just because their behavior problems are not yet well understood and people are still solving their problems unilaterally through imposition of adult will and through punitive adversarial means. All right. That's why Lives in the Balance is here. That's why we do this program every week, September through May. And that's why I will be back next week with another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Talk to you then. 